ready for the newest courtroom drama? Miller Coors withheld information. How do you compete with spiked seltzers and N.A. beer? Well, if you're Lagunitas, you get weird. Want to be a billionaire? Go back in time and found White Claw. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. In four years when it's illegal to have an open beer and a live mic in the same room at the same time, this podcast will be just one of the reasons for that law. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Better? I got a laugh out of you this time. Give you a solid B. <laughs> See, now you're putting almost too much pressure on me with these headlines. I like, spend the entire day like scribbling and re-scribbling and, and, and trying to come up with just the perfect the perfect first line for this podcast. And the just... amount of crumpled paper looks like the amount of crumpled tissues after Jeremy had a long night by himself. <laughs> you know what? Funny you say that. The wife is out of town this week, so I didn't, didn't think it showed that much, but uh, I'll get the snow shovel out. Hi, Tyler. Hi. <laughs> and goodbye about half the people who normally download this podcast. And there goes the family-friendly version. <laughs> Well, now the kids are out of the room. What are we drinking today? <laughs> uh, so I brought us a bottle of the Mole Merkin. So we're drinking a spicy pubic wig. I I feel like uh, uh, that uh, that ought to be more of a description of one of your dates in college. But um, it's nice, though. I mean, all the flavors are quite subtle. I mean, it's not the, – the, the spice is not hugely prominent. I get a lot of cocoa. I get a touch of cinnamon. I was going to say, um, I get more cinnamon than I do spice. Uh, it almost The spice is nice. I feel like it almost it could almost be just uh, ramped up by just a little bit. I mean, not a lot. I wouldn't want a really, I wouldn't want a really spicy pubic hair or a pubic, <laughs> pubic wig, but that's a little, just a little spicy one. Just, just a little bit. And as, it, as it's warming up, I'm, I'm getting it just a touch more. Oh yeah. I, I think they kind of dialed it in. Uh, the bottle was probably a little too cold when we poured it, uh, but I had... Soko Vesa from Stone, one of my favorites. Uh, and so when I saw this, I was like, oh, I got to try this. Uh, and I personally think Firestone did a better job than Stone did on that. So, so eat a dick, Stone. That's that's. You will get one win tonight. <laughs> but before we get there, um, we just wanted to do a, a quick... Uh... A quick update on the Founders debacle. We have been uh, we've been covering it for the last couple of episodes because it's you know been the biggest dumpster fire in craft beer for <laughs> uh, a while. A while the um, the owners of the Bleagard Brewery uh, announced this week at a press conference that they were planning on reopening the Detroit Taproom. It wasn't going to happen this year. They still need to find a new general manager, one who may not allegedly make uh, racist statements. Although that guy is apparently still on staff. Uh, they haven't let you him... just move him to the back of the house. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were uh, uh, they were really really dodgy about what was going to happen. Other than they gave the very very, it, you know what the at the I listened to the whole press conference and something that be, the thing that became clearest to me was they hadn't learned a damn thing. Oh, they they're doing just... the political dance of we're sorry have you seen the south park episode with bp where they're like we're sorry but see that's the thing they haven't haven't even said that we're sorry other than we're sorry we got caught yeah well (laughs) bp said the same thing okay so it's we're sorry that you found out we fucked up look (laughs) what we're gonna do over here why we keep doing the same shit over here Pretty much, I mean, with less uh, devastation than BP, but you know, the same the same idea. They basically said, "Well, we have to find a solution that works best for him and for us. We just want to make it sure everything is is copacetic, etc., etc., etc." Political dance, political dance, political dance. Um, 
Other, the only thing they said that would he he would not be returning to the Detroit tap room, so they need to hire a new general manager before they can open up. And their thing at some point in 2020, they did mention they're keeping everybody uh, on staff uh, paid until it reopens. The, you know what I was just thinking though, if a lot of the servers that are living in Detroit are staying on staff, I'm assuming they're making a server's minimum wage and not getting any tips. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's probably that's. So they still have to go work another job. Well, I guess you get what, like two bucks an hour or something. In Idaho, it's three twenty-five an hour. Oh well, then you can live off that if you yeah. don't like food and you can live in a yeah. dumpster. Yeah, in in a van down by the river. I I think I cost too much these days. The gas <laughs> money—that's four twenty-five an hour. The gas money alone will uh, will uh, will kill that. Um, so I'm like, that's a real like sentimental like. We're doing this because we're good guys. But then when you think about it, you're like, but are you really good guys? Like, maybe they're actually paying them up to the minimum wage in Michigan to try to live. Or having them come over and work the main tap room. I don't know. But to me, it just seems like if you're just paying them, like, their server minimum wage and they're not getting any tips. Because most servers and bartenders live off tips. Pretty much. You're... I hadn't thought about that. You're getting kind of dicked. I'll give founders the benefit of the doubt just because, you know, why not give them a little bit more rope to hang themselves? They only wrapped it around them about three or four times. (laughs) Um, I listened to the entire press conference. Here's the thing about it. Um, If you were playing a drinking game and you had to drink every time they said the word community... You'd be drunk in the you'd be you'd be pants throwing drunk by the time that press conference was over. It was insane. Um, there really isn't much to say other than I mean what you just said. It's it's the political dance. Oh, we're sorry you yeah. found out we fucked up. And then I saw in an article that they said they were going to be donating the profits from that tap room next year, which was yeah, which is such a. To me, that's such a rich person's solution. Like, oh, well, we'll just keep throwing money until it goes away. And I don't think, and I think even a few people kind of mentioned that said, we don't want your fucking money. We want you to apologize for having a guy on staff who's a bit of a dick. Yeah. And then keeping that dick on staff where he proceeded to do more dickish things that got you in this dumpster fire to begin with. They didn't do that. Um, Although there was a very telling line that I did like very much in the press conference. Um, uh, Mike Steven, uh, one of the co-owners said, um, uh, quote, we didn't do a great job communicate, uh, communicating with the community, which is a bit like the captain of the Titanic coming out saying, yeah, our maiden voyage could have gone a little smoother. <laughs> we hit one bump. Okay, guys. <laughs> which it, that's, I think the best way to sum it up is just, you still don't understand Maybe it's not a big a dumpster fire. Maybe in like six months, everybody who dropped founders from their taps and their bottle shops picks them back up again. Because let's face it, they do brew good beer. Maybe maybe this really wasn't a thing. But I think, especially in that area, especially their home state, uh, they may have garnered just enough ill will to affect things long term. But we'll see. At least for now, I think I'm happy to put this story to bed. Yeah, I think it about wraps it up till they fuck up some other thing. We still still have to see what uh, how this affects the Santa uh, or the Don Miguel uh, sale in uh, January. In January, uh, that's still up in the air. If it again, if it affects it at all, maybe it, the the sale goes through. They they own the joint and it 
just goes on. I was going to say, and it might because, I mean, it's really basically two full months of separation from this. So as long as Founders doesn't royally shit the bed between now and then, I could see them just pulling the trigger, taking it, and trying to keep them laying low for another couple months. If it was any other brewery, I would say it was a shoe-in. But I feel like to not absolutely shit the bed, Founders are going to have to clench hard for the next couple of months <laughs> because they've been very, very good at that. But uh, They've just been slamming X-Lax like shots. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll that'll do it for this story for now. So that is the the official end of the the found the tale of the founder's shitstorm <laughs> for now. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, so up next we got a little peek back into the Miller Coors Stone Brewing lawsuit. Woohoo! The keep the key in Keystone. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of the. This one is something we've been covering uh, pretty much since the inception of the podcast. Uh, if you if you've not been paying attention, essentially uh, Stone filed suit uh, last year or is two is it a year or two years ago? It was February of 2018. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, basically, it was r- largely derided as a political uh, stunt, but regardless of the uh, motivations, uh, they came out and said the and uh, Stone uh, sued uh, uh, Miller Coors their brand Keystone because they'd put a gigantic stone across the can and people might confuse their shitty piss water for the elegance that is stone beer. Except the delicious IPA. That is piss water. Uh, <laughs> stone, you have to... Backtracking here. You have to understand, <laughs> t- uh, Tyler has a major problem with that delicious IPA. <laughs> uh, but, so in latest news, uh, a federal magistrate judge, um, th- I found this article on Brewbound, uh, it was written November 4th, so it looks like the Thursday before that, a uh, federal magistrate judge filed a report and recommended um, an order largely citing with Stone Brewing that Miller Coors withheld some marketing materials during the lawsuit's discovery phase. Uh, the magistrate, uh, Judge Linda Lopez, Imposed a financial f- sanction upon Miller Coors of, wait for it, $420,476.63. Someone, someone's not getting their, like, <laughs> well. Your end bonus? <laughs> I was going to say, well, maybe, like, have it cut by a million or something or, yeah. or, or something. Uh, be paid out to Stone uh, for legal fees for Stone uh, after... To take you back why she imposed this, uh, Stone alleged on September 5th that Miller Coors failed to make full production of historical Keystone materials. So they withheld some marketing materials that Stone said uh, did not feature the word Stone and hurt Miller Coors' argument that Stone and Stones have long been used in reference to Keystone, the Keystone line. With this here... Uh, Selectively withholding responsive documents because they are unfavorable is an egregious form of discovery abuse that warrants the most severe actions available. (laughs) So you shall pay like maybe one-tenth of one percent that you make in an hour. Uh, that's not what Stone asked for. That's what the judge ruled. Uh, (laughs) Stone asked that... Oh, fair. Um... The court strike Miller Coors' defense and counterclaim that it has long used stone and stones 
and that there is little crossover between economy beers such as Keystone Light and craft beers made by companies such as Stone. Stone had also asked that the trial jury be informed that Miller Coors failed to provide all requested materials. She denied that, but find them. Um, so it's a small little victory for Stone saying that, hey, they withheld some marketing materials. So you are on the right track. Well, yeah, there is some. I feel like there is something to that. I mean, it does lend credence to um, that this wasn't just a publicity stunt. And you look at Keystone, uh, their beer, you know, they say, you know, the, the, especially the 30 packs have 30 stones. stones. Yes. And the and the, the can is turned, so it just said on the picture of the 30 packs says stone. Yeah. And, and so. I mean, I feel like they really kind of incorporated that after, I want to say, about 2012. Yeah, that sounds about right. Before that, they had Keith Stone always smooth. <laughs> and before that, it was just Keystone. Well, before that, it was Bitter Beer Face. You may not remember this. It, you, eh, that's before my time. Um, if you're Okay, so if you're an old fucker like me, you might remember. This was a little bit before craft beer, but uh, uh, Keystone ran the Bitter Beer Face, where basically they claimed that their beer had so little flavor that you didn't like even react to its presence. So <laughs> they, it featured people who would uh, uh, take a drink of beer, make a weird face, and be like, oh, my God, our beer doesn't taste like beer. You can drink it, and it's just like water. Yeah. But here, neither here nor there. Old people will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've heard of the ad, but I never saw it. Uh, but so they required Stone to have to file an updated legal fee to the court uh, by November 6th, and Stone, or Miller Coors, to submit an updated expert reports by November seventh, so yesterday. So the so, so the saga continues, but again, a little bit of a victory, and maybe there's a sounds like a hint of a chance of a possibility that maybe a, a stone gets to pull away with something. I, I, the from reading through this article, I think if this goes to a trial jury, they may take a victory. Well. And that strikes that strikes me as a big deal because I mean if the even if it goes to a trial if it goes to a jury, it I think puts it a little bit more uh, uh, weight on uh, Miller Coors to settle because I mean at this point in time you're already in trouble for maybe hiding some marketing materials of you not oh no they hid so uh, the court agreed back in September with the original motion on September fifth uh, and. Ordered Miller Coors to provide all available marketing and packaging materials by September 20th. Miller Coors complied, providing the additional marketing materials that they had withheld previously. And so you're purposely trying. Yeah, that's not good. That doesn't look good. If that gets brought up in front of a jury, that looks real bad. So, all right. Maybe a little bit encouraging. So, let's go, Stone. Okay. Jesus H. Christ, Lagunitas, what the fuck are you doing now, news now? There's a, it's an interesting time to be in craft beer. Hard seltzer is pulling customers away. More and more people are looking for healthier, non-alcoholic drink options. Um, overall, beer sales are down. Craft beer is still up, with showing, showing marginal gro- or a little moderate growth. Nothing like we saw um, early, earlier this decade. But it does leave a lot of craft breweries wondering where to go from here. What, what can they make? to diversify their portfolio, and maybe keep some of those uh, customers from drifting away. 
Uh, but leave it to Lagunitas to go way off the deep end and produce something really, really, really freaking weird. Uh, this actually comes Weirder from... Weirder than their adult summer camp in Nebraska? Um, I'd say at least as weird. On par, if not a little bit weirder. <laughs> Uh, this actually comes from uh, westward.com. Um, Lagunitas' love for the devil's cabbage is legendary. And I'm talking literally. Um, they most famously are known for the quote-unquote St. Patrick's Day Massacre. Where that beer was dedicated to all wannabe astronauts. Um, if you're not familiar with, uh, with, that, uh, with that debacle, um, the, uh, uh, the, in, 20, uh, in 2005... Uh, the police did a sting operation uh, at Lagunitas on St. Patty's Day. Uh, the police at the time were heavily suspicious whether Lagunitas was actually a real brewery or if they were just a front to sell illegal drugs. Um, so they sent a bunch of undercover cops to try to buy drugs off of uh, employees. Problem was is that anytime they asked an employee to uh, whether they could buy some drugs, they would just give it to them. <laughs> so... They couldn't bust them for uh, for trafficking, but at the time, they did bust the uh, the owner for having a big ass blunt on him. <laughs> uh, also, the owner of Lagunitas did say that was the proudest moment of his life when he found out that none of his employees would sell the cops weed; they would only give it to them for free. <laughs> right, um, but they uh, they only got charged with running a running a disorderly house which is usually only applied to brothels. Uh, so that's another feather in your cap. Well done, Lagunitas. Um, and, quote, uh, moral turpitude, which whoever knows what that means. Uh, they got shut down for a number of months, at which point in time, uh, they, when they reopened, they celebrated with the now extremely uh, uh, popular uh, seasonal, the undercover shutdown. So a little backstory on the beer as well. That beard went in right before this all went down. And they panicked because no one could go in or out of the brewery during that shutdown. So everyone was panicking that the beer wasn't going to turn out because no one could really tend to it. Mm -hmm. So they were all freaking out. And if you know Lagunitas, they don't actually do any pilot batches. So it's a full batch of everything to try it out. <laughs> uh, so when they found, when they came back, they tasted it and it was better than they thought it was going to be. They were super excited. And uh, the owner of Lagunitas, if you ever buy a bottle of this beer, around the edge of the label, he always writes a little something. Uh, and he says, uh, we did the crime, we did the time, now we get the bragging rights. Mm -hmm. But as he was being hauled away in cuffs, he looked at the ABC officer from the state of California and said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I know you didn't always want to ruin someone's fun. The ABC officer turned, looked at him, stopped and said, I don't know, be an astronaut. And so at the end of the sentence on the label, it says, this beer is dedicated to all the would-be astronauts. Um, so a little bit of beer lore for you all. That's, I mean, that's, like I said, that's a legendary story from Lagunitas. It's now 2019, and pot is legal in some places, which has got to be a little bit annoying. <laughs> um, oh, I bet that ABC officer's just like, really, motherfuckers? <laughs> but, and Lagunitas... Is, uh, is rolling out with a hopped CBD-infused seltzer water. Um, uh, some of you might be uh, familiar with uh, Lagunitas Hop Water because it is actually available nationwide. Um, the brewer, uh, Jeremy Marshall, describes it as basically a beer without the beer. Uh, 
he just how he describes the process is they do everything you would normally do with a beer except they leave out all the grains so I'm not exactly sure what that means. He did describe a little bit of the, the hop process, which was, as you might expect, all dry hop. Yeah, I was going to say, they aren't adding... So basically, they're taking water, not having to really boil it because it's water, adding right. dry hop to it. And strangely enough, adding yeast. Now, it does say on the la- on the label of, uh, of, of hop water that there is uh, brewer's yeast in there. He mentions in the article that he adds yeast. I cannot for the life of me figure out why. The only thing I could think of, instead of carbonating with canisters of CO2, they're doing the, because, I mean, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, I think still to this day, or... Still bottle conditions. Still bottle conditions. So they're adding just sugar to the water, heating that up so the water, the sugar absorbs into the water, and adding the brewer's yeast to provide the carbonation. It's pot. I've considered that, but here's what's missing. You would be able to see the yeast at the bottom of the bottle. It would settle out and and fall to the bottom. And there's no there's no yeast at the bottom of any bottle of hop water that I've seen. Um, it would add also uh, probably a it would all add a small amount of alcohol. Probably not so much that you still couldn't call it NA less than one percent. I yeah. think that I think the barrier is uh, less than one half of a percent. You can call it non-alcoholic. So they might that might be how they carbonate it and then but. I I feel like if it was if they were bottle conditioned you'd be able to notice but they say they add yeast that's as good a theory as I got so or maybe they do it in the bright tank and then transfer the carbonated beer and leave the yeast behind could be um that's as literally that's as good as a it, <laughs> and that does make sense when you talk about it's just beer but without the grain um I'm not that s- seems wrong to me but uh, actually <laughs> but I have to admit I have had it and. You've had their hop water. I've had the hop water. I've not had what I'm about to talk about, but I have had the hop water. The hop water is surprisingly delicious. If if I had to stop drinking beer and when I take a break from uh, drinking in January, I'm probably going to get uh, a bunch of these. And... You're not going to take a fucking break. Oh, yes, I am. We'll... Not if we're still doing this podcast. <laughs> Watch me. Um, the point is... I will hold you down and waterboard you with an imperial stout. Well, that's a that's a hell of a claim. All right, so tune in in January. <laughs> when you just hear, <laughs> just Tyler just reciting the news while he's just getting it with just the, basically beer bogging me on the table. <laughs> Anywho, well, for their new uh, hi-fi hops, they take that basic idea and they add CBD, THC, or both, as the article says. Again, I don't know what that means, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> The interesting thing is that Lagunitas is far from the first brewery to uh, uh, venture into the into cannabis products, but they are the first brewery to make it part of their name. They're the first brewery to put their name on it, and they could probably do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, they do add hops, so there's kind of a tie, beer tie-in. They add hops, uh, so you know it's... they're also one of the breweries known. For pot. And there's the other thing. It's at this point in time, I think everybody knows that those guys are they they, they like a little bit of pot. They'll have a little That's when we were working together and Lagunitas sold to Heineken and we were all sitting around and we're like, Oh, it makes sense why he did that because he probably just wanted to go have meetings in Amsterdam, smoke weed in a bathtub full of money. Now he can do that at home because it's legal in California and it's legal in Colorado. In fact, 
Uh, this uh, this Hi-Fi Hops is now available. If you were lucky enough to live in Colorado, it hit the Colorado dispensaries this fall um, and will be spreading uh, elsewhere. Uh, uh, legal weed is available. And if not, um, I don't know. You're going to have to go there and try it yourself. <laughs> we're... Here in lonely Idaho, uh, it's going to be a long, long time before uh, uh, yeah, high Utah's five. ahead of us. <laughs> it's it's going to be a minute. So uh, I guess if you've had it, uh, send us an email. Let us know what it was like. <laughs> if you can still find your keyboard. Uh, in the article, didn't they talk a little bit about brewers having issues with hemp? Yeah. So they did mention um, the, the the article was basically an interviewer with uh, uh, Jeremy Marshall. We were talking about not only the history of Lagunitas, but uh, the process between making this. And they were talking about, you know, how they would like to make um, cannabis-infused beer. But uh, the ATF strictly prohibits any any product that combines alcohol and THC uh, to the point where they won't even let them brew with, like, hemp. They can use the stems and seeds. Correct. And that's how New Belgium did their hemperer was with the hemp seeds. Correct. Yeah, that's how they. That, that's how you get that big, uh, bright, you open it across the room and I smell and go, wow, I feel like someone's doing something illegal here. Well, that was when they re- released that at Ale Fort before it hit the Boise market. I was walking around Ale Fort. I was like, dude, someone is baked off their <laughs> fucking ass. And then someone's like, dude, you got to go try this beer. And I was like. They're like, it smells just like pot. And I was like, I'm like, where's it at? Went over there and I'm like, and it wasn't someone. It was New Belgium. I mean, I feel like someone could still have been baked out of their gourd, but that might not have been what you were smelling at the time. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, they did mention that they, that he would love to be able to brew, even with like uh, hemp buds to really get that, uh, to really get that infused flavor in a beer. But it is, it's, it's so strictly enforced that they don't even want to touch it. And so, that's yeah. why the, that's why they're kind of going going this route. Yeah, and I know because I had seen the article that Jeremy was, is referring to, and I had kind of skimmed over it. And they had talked a little bit about uh, that the FDA prohibits CBD alcoholic right. beverages. And I was like, wait, how are they doing this if it has CBD in it? Don't they prohibit that? And Jeremy politely informed me that this is non-alcoholic by politely i grabbed the writing crop i keep next to my uh desk and beat him saying you're an idiot you're an idiot you're an idiot until he cried and then you know I get, that's I, why i'm gonna waterboard him and then he then i gave him a beer and he's kind of okay that's basically tyler you just you can abuse him however however long and however much you want and then when you're done you give him a beer and he he pops right back up he's like a drunken little uh a, a punching bag clown yeah and then i get back <laughs> Tune in for January to see how that works out. <laughs> Next up, we got easy, surefire way of becoming a multi-billionaire. Um, I mean, I feel like it's owning a bank and bilking poor people. Well, that too, or inventing or founding White Claw. Oh, that'd do it too. Yeah. That's uh, probably a little bit better. Yeah. Milking the drunk college girls and the drunk college guys. Yeah. I mean... I've- <laughs> It's as evil, but a more acceptable evil. Yeah. It's like, it's it's more like supervillain evil and as opposed to real life evil. Yeah. So I was scrolling through the interwebs today and found an article by Bloomberg that said, Hard seltzer craze makes White Claw Maker a multi-billionaire. Um, and they talk about Anthony Von Mald, uh, who opened 
when he got out of college in the 1970s, opened a wine importing business in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, he struggled for a lot of years, barely scraped by, um, and then he started Mike's Hard Lemonade and eventually White Claw. He started Mike's Hard Lemonade. He started the front company Mark Anthony Group, and which is the company behind White Claw and Mike's Hard Lemonade. The two biggest abominations that happened to alcohol since Prohibition. Yep, which both are just incredibly popular, unfortunately. And apparently, according to this article, they talked about how popular Mike's Hard Lemonade was when it got first sold in Canada in 1996. Yeah, but... Mike's Hard Lemonade has never hit the insane degree of popularity that White Claw has. I mean, you're right. I I, I started to notice when uh, when Mike's Hard Lemonade came out, it was it was there was some marketing to try to make it more masculine, but it was a sweet drink for cheerleaders. I mean, yeah, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but it was it, it was chick beer. I mean, two decades later, uh, the U.S. sales are still about 1.6 billion dollars, so they're okay. not doing bad. Uh, I say chick beer, and yet a, a very, very good, very beardy friend of mine uh, drinks the <laughs> black raspberry uh, uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade with wild abandon. So, uh, <laughs> so hi, Sean. Um, little girly, but uh, you enjoy your, your alcoholic candy. So apparently over the last 12 months, uh, hard seltzers have almost tripled. Uh, White Claw's market share grew 11%. And they now hover around 55% of the hard seltzer market share. Again, and there's something about White Claw specifically that I noticed. Social media. It's not, you know, there's something else because uh, I was working at a grocery store last year, which was the first, during the summer when it first became like a really, like people started to wake up and go, holy shit, this, this hard seltzer is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um I would, we were, white, there was no White Claw. In fact, I mean, they've drunk through, people have been drinking White Claw out for two years straight. It um, also didn't help that Coke started using the same size can that both, like, all the hard seltzers and Red Bull used. So it put a huge strain on that odd size can. Because the odd size can, and by the way, there was also a, uh, a uh, there was problem with aluminum sourcing, even sourcing the aluminum. So it was mm-hmm. more, it was more they were running out of the cans to put it in. They had plenty of the product. You just need water and citric acid and booze. Those and, three things. And it. sugar. And they don't really add much sugar to White Claw. No, though, do they? so it's a fermented beverage, so it's taxed at the same rate that beer and wine are. Uh, so they reverse osmosis the water, add pure cane sugar, let it ferment, add the citric acid, and then the flavoring. Okay, I just assumed that they just they just drunkenly poured vodka into a big vat of LaCroix and they called it a day. No, so that way they can avoid the liquor tax, they get taxed I mean, as a beer. I mean, that's how I make it in my bathtub, so... Yeah, uh, but... Also, in that note, uh, uh, Jones uh, 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 Jones flavored uh, uh, seltzers coming to uh, a, a grocery store near you. Uh, look at it; at not bathtub at all. There's absolutely no bathtub <laughs> flavor in it. Uh, but in the article, they also talked about how uh, the business growth in the U.S. is about 85 percent this year, and they're estimated to deliver. White Claws are estimated to deliver close to $4 billion in revenue in 2020. Uh, God. 
they talked about some of the reason for the success has been their robust social media presence. There was more than 100,000 tagged Instagram posts, a video made by comedian Trevor Wallace parroting the White Claw Drinkers that has over 3 million views on YouTube. I actually finally watched that last week just to see and what the hell people... And the saying, ain't no laws when you're drinking the claws. I saw just actually for the first time got curious and looked that... Actually, I looked it up while I was editing this podcast last week. I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? And about halfway in, I'm just... It reaffirmed... It reaffirmed George Carlin's old uh, saying that says, the United States is the only country that makes enough nuclear weapons to destroy the entire world. And reality TV that makes it seem like a good idea. This is not reality TV, but same kind of vein. Yeah. Uh, and the article kind of further dives into how he's reinvesting this in wineries up in Canada. What uh, was the guy's name again? Remind me. Anthony Von Meld? 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 Yeah, sure. Uh, Meld? 69 years old and... And I mean, pulling in just billions of dollars from White Claw. And I always knew White Claw was like a huge hit. But seeing that it's projected for $4 billion worth of sales next year alone. Well, and you just say, I mean, the, if I if you had to if I had to create the name, without any prior knowledge, if I had to create the name of the person who owned White Claw, the name would be Anthony Von Meld. Yeah! <laughs> it's just, that just seems to be the guy who would do it. I mean, even if... You know what, even if that's not his name, I think he'd be legally forced to change it yeah, to yeah. something that sounded like that yeah. if you invented White Claw. He it's sounds just... like the Russian superhero, or the <laughs> Russian supervillain that is taking over America, and he's like, no, 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 we're not going to use nuclear weapons. We're going to take them by their pocketbooks with this drink. I mean, it, are you are we going to sell them beer? No. Vodka, we're going to sell them vodka? No. Something stronger? No. We're going to take seltzer water and spike it to 5%. <laughs> are, are, are you high? The Americans will never go for that. Oh, they will. <laughs> we'll just tell them it's healthy. <laughs> they can be drunk and healthy at the same time. Is there anything more American than that brand of stupidity? Yeah. Because <laughs> Americans make every life choice on whether they can be healthy. I mean, if you can be drunk and healthy, yes. That's a fucking lie. Have you seen a line at a McDonald's drive-thru? <laughs> I have not, but then again, I try to limit my alcohol intake after 2 a.m. <laughs> but, either way, I just found it kind of interesting that it gave you kind of an insight into just the scope of how big White Claw has gotten over the past couple of years. I mean, we've done so many uh, articles. We've seen so many articles... I mean, one today, the reason that Lagunitas is trying the this CBD-inspired uh, or CBD, CBD-infused uh, uh, seltzer is to lure people back from White Claw. Um, for fuck's sakes, Miller Coors changed their – or Molson Coors changed their name to kind of keep up with the amount of people they're losing to White Claw. And, you know, it's not – and the thing is, I started to say this and I got sidetracked, but it's not – Spike seltzer in general. It, there's something about White Claw because I would I, I, we ran out, and then I don't I I point to Spike seltzer or, or truly, truly, and I'd I point to a lot and some people that some for a lot of people are like oh that's near enough, but there are some people that it was White Claw or nothing. It was White Claw or I'm going to be sober this weekend and it's Fourth of July weekend. That's how much they wanted to get <laughs> drunk on that. 
So in that article, they also talked about how Truly is their next biggest competitor at 18% market share compared to their 55 I At this point in time, I'm going to accuse White Claw of spiking it with Coke. <laughs> also in that, they talked about Apparently he Have was you seen giving... how skinny how a lot of people do drink White Claw are? Meth. They're infusing it with meth. <laughs> so in he was talking to a group of beer wholesalers and he's like, Yes. And someone brought up the question, Are are you worried about all these big brands like ABM Bev and Miller Core starting to bring out their own hard seltzers? He's like, The customers that ran to us are not gonna turn around and run back to the big beer companies that they ran from a couple of years ago just because they now have a seltzer. Basically, we've built up the loyalty. And there is a, I've talked to a couple of bar managers around town, and some of them have been like, oh, I personally think Truly's a better hard seltzer. I've heard that as well. And But we put it in instead of White Claw, and people go, you got White Claw? No, I'll take a Coors Light. Oh, Jesus. So, so it's that brand name. Ain't no laws when drinking the club. That, that even even the saying it. Anno- I mean, I I know he's playing. I know he's making fun of the people, but he does it so well. I actually but hate the, him. But by- that became their war cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that depresses me on several levels. <laughs> All right, uh, brewery job perks news now. Woo! So. If you own a brewery, it's sometimes a nice thing to do. Something special for the emplo- for the people you depend on, your employees. Um, free pints, they are always welcome. Maybe a special glass for the staff here and then. You know, maybe even a, like a special deal or a special discount or a special seat for the, the people who work for you. Um, but if you work for Lakefront Brewing out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you get to design a beer that bears your name. Um, this comes from uh, craftbeer.com. Uh, who told the story about uh, the My Turn beer series from Lakefront. And basically the idea came from this. Um, the uh, The owners of Lakefront Brewing um, realized that the, re- the way to stay ahead in the craft beer game is to constantly be do something new, constantly be do- doing something different. The You know, you have to have your flagships. What's going to keep people coming, coming back is to have something new and interesting. But they realized that it's not always it's not always the vision of the brewery itself. The the new and interesting beers come from one person or and maybe two people. The owner, the head brewer, maybe the assistant brewer gets a crack at it. But you're basically getting the the ideas a narrowed focus. Yeah, you're getting the ideas and preferences and tastes from very very few people. But what Lakefront started to do was they opened it up to all their employees. Um, when they started off, they had like half the employees that they they uh, uh, that they do now. Uh, they have over seven or over seventy at this point in time, and each one gets to to work to design and put out a one-off beer that bears their name and their uh, photo, and it's bringing a lot of different ideas and different um, different things. And you know, it kind of goes. The article goes through uh, some of some stories from it, and here's a few. Um, the uh, uh, one gentleman uh, whose uh, nickname was Junk came out with uh, Junk Beer, <laughs> which here's what style you're gonna <laughs> you don't laugh yet because you're gonna laugh harder in a second. It was a it was a, uh, a fruited kettle sour with cherry and cherry blossoms. <laughs> but 
Unfortunately, junk beer started re-fermenting in the cans. Because <laughs> it had a wee bit of an infection. Oh, boy. Um, it sold really... It's, they say it sold exceptionally well. In fact, it went on to win a silver at the International Beer Cup in Japan. Damn! Which uh, which was interesting because the uh, uh, the employee who... Uh, and his name is uh, uh, Jungworth, or, uh, uh, Andrew Jungsworth, um, nicknamed Jung. Um, he's kind of enamored of Japan, and so kind of made this beer in honor of of, uh, of that place, and that's where it won. Awesome. Uh, so, unfortunately, they had to kind of pull it from the shelves. Um, Kristen, uh, I can't pronounce her last name, so I'm going to take a uh, Yunke. Um, she, she, uh, she was the first, in 2018, she had, was the first woman to uh, get assigned to do the uh, uh, My Turn beer in years. And she always felt that the other women did something lighter, did something fruity. Um, and she wanted to do something the opposite of that. So she had them make a, a Weizenbach, uh, especially something, uh, uh, a smoked Weizen, Weizenbach, actually. Damn, girl! Um, she wanted she wanted uh, something that would, uh, she came from, a, uh, from a, a high volume kitchen background. And so she wanted something really flavorful, really bold, really exciting that could be eaten with a variety of food. And so that's what she, uh, uh, that's what she uh, settled on. Uh, she even admitted that not many people, even craft beer people, are a fan of uh, these smoked styles. And that's what made it so badass. So, I mean, the awesome part coming from the brewery side is it really like reinvest your employees back into it. And I mean, if you've got a salesperson that did that beer, came up with it, they're going to be out pushing it in the market. Or if you have a full-time bar manager, he's going to be telling every regular at the brewery or every person that walks through, oh, I helped design this beer. You should try it out. Let's let's get you a pint of that. And it really, well, and it brings a whole new perspective to the table because, I mean, in this last uh, last story they uh, mentioned, um, it allowed a, 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 a rather, uh, rather loud employee who basically grew up on Coors and Budweiser, uh, who really didn't have a lot of experience in craft beer before he joined Lakefront. They asked what he wanted to do, and they kind of worked with him, and they created one of the first Kolsch's to come out in the United States before Kolsch kind of took off and became much of a style uh, again nice. here in the United States. So it, it it provided like the inspiration to do things that, you know, the head brewer may not think of, the owner might not think of. It does, it, it, and you're right, there's something brilliant about that because, I mean, how much emotional investment do these employees have in this company? And they let everybody do it from the, from the brewers, the assistant brewers, to... Uh, to people who worked in the front end, uh, bartenders, servers, as long as they were a full-time employee, they got they got in line, and there was uh, there was a seniority aspect to who who got to go first and what have you. Higher seniority, but or s- sooner, yeah. But yeah, um, they've been doing this for years, and if you worked for uh, Lakefront Brewing for a while, eventually you get to go design a beer and have it out in the stores with your name on it. That's awesome, and I mean. Of course, it, especially if you have family in the area, they're going to go buy that. It helps drive sales. And, I mean, you could get a really unique idea that does awesome and could become kind of a seasonal or year-round staple that you may have never thought of or the person who thought of it may not have ever had the confidence to bring it up because they're like, oh, I'm not the brewer. Right. The brewer knows best. I'm not going to bring it up to them where a different 
perspective, they could be like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Or you never know, you might have like some budding, like weird savant genius who, who was like, I want to do this thing, and they're like, that that's stupid, but you do it, and or, I mean, that sounds terrible, but let's give it a whirl, and <laughs> oh my god, this is delicious. Right. I mean, I feel like. Uh, I feel like there's a there there in way there, that way does lie a little bit of danger because you are trying something, but it is a one-off series, which is the whole point of the thing. Which is let's try new shit and see what sticks. I'm sure you, they come out with a bunch of things. I didn't it didn't mention in the article how well the uh, uh, the the smoked uh, uh, the smoked Dunkelweiss did. Um, guessing I'm that, assuming a little slower, but but on the on the on the other side, if I'm shopping at a uh, at a craft beer store and I see smoked Dunkelweiss, I look at with that with some for, random woman's name. Yeah, I look at that for a moment and go, "Well, I have I I have to know." Mm-hmm. And maybe it tastes like a campfire punched me in the face, but I know now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the thing that really kind of intrigues me is what batch size are they doing? You know, they didn't mention, but they're doing a big enough. They're doing big enough size to that they're bottling and getting it out into the market. Um, and so I'm, I mean, Lakefront is a. I've actually uh, stopped by Lakefront Brewing uh, when I was in Milwaukee, and they're uh, they're a mid sized. They're a mid sized. Uh, uh, so fifteen thirty barrel batch. I'm guessing. So it's, which that's not a huge financial investment to take a risk on. It's not. And especially in a metropolis area like Milwaukee, I'm assuming they have enough places that'll take a risk on a sixth or a half mm-hmm. and be like, if it sells, it sells. But And you've always got something new coming out and you're mm-hmm. never going to be out of ideas because the, 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 the employee who's been waiting for nigh on a year to be able to do you know, their my turn series may have been thinking about this for a while. Like, ooh, do I have something for you? <laughs> <laughs> Here is forty five pounds of frosted flake cereal. <laughs> Just call Kellogg's first. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Anything else today? Uh no. That about wraps it up. Uh, I did see one tweet on Twitter uh, that just fully described. If you've never actually had a work of beer fest. Uh, you won't understand, but if you have had to work at Beer Fest, you will understand this tweet. It was a picture of a guy. He's like, oh, I'm so excited for, to work at this Beer Fest. Going to see all the brewery people. Great networking opportunity. It's like four hours into the Beer Fest. I want to kill everyone. Get me out of here. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds, I mean, I'm, I've am i I've not had to work one. I've volunteered at one or two. I've gone to my share. Yeah, beer fest should not run longer than like four hours. No, they should run. They'd be all day events. That way, I mean, I can get uh, absolutely shit throwing drunk and pass out in a baseball field. You can do that in four hours, Jeremy. Yeah, but I can do it better with like eight. Yeah, but you're not the asshole having to stand behind and talk to all although, the jackasses who are shit throwing drunk. Although if it's like two, then I consider it a challenge. Like if you like, if you tell me, look, listen. You have like three hours to drink as much as you can. I mean, my... You, you, you go through more beer than if it's an eight-hour festival. I mean, at that point in time, I'm like, all right, challenge accepted, sir. Fill my tiny little cup and don't be sitting down. <laughs> You'll be filling it again. <laughs> so maybe there's maybe there's something to that. I think I've talked myself into, into the other side. No, I think we need to make them like... Thund- three to four <laughs> is... I'll even allow you to go to five. 
three to five is kind of that ideal sweet spot. And then after party. Where everybody just gets shit hammered. It's called a bar. Okay. Well, anyway, this has been It's All Beer. Um, if you want to tell uh, 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 Tyler why he's an asshole for telling you, tell you that you can't get uh, uh, an eight-hour uh, beer fest uh, anymore, um, send him an email. At, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Then I'll have you come work one, one with me where you have to be there an hour before and an hour after. And he will change your mind. Um, <laughs> you can also get a hold of us on Twitter at It's All Beer and on Facebook. Uh, find us at It's All Beer. And uh, don't forget to leave us a rating because uh, that's that's how people. It's one of the ways people find us, and it lets us know we're doing a good job. And let us know what parts you like, what parts you don't like. Uh, it kind of helps us refine what we're doing, and you know maybe we'll, we'll we'll get good at this someday, or maybe not. I don't or know. Or eventually you'll just stop listening. So either way, um, I think we're going to keep on uh, getting uh, half wasted and uh, and and blabbing about beer. But until next week, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna go drink a beer. Oh. And if you are in town, stop by County Line Brewing for Jeremy's book release. <laughs> Little same shameless self promotion for Jeremy. Thank you for thank you for the shameless self promotion. Yes, uh, in, in, in another life, I actually do write science fiction. I am releasing the second book in my uh, uh, adve- a pulp sci-fi adventure series. Um, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's the second book is on pre-order. The first book is is on sale, so go find it. And if you're in the Boise area, yeah, stop by County Line Brewing. Um, I'll be there, half in the bag. It'll be a good time. Friday, November fifteenth. So that'll that that'll do it for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna go have a beer. Enjoy.